Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Added Time, a football podcast hosted by me, Steve Watkins. First off, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone that has listened to episode 1. It's greatly appreciated. Honestly, I, I am overwhelmed with the reaction and the messages that I've been getting and it's given me the confidence to build on that and take this podcast even further and continue it which I said I was going to do. I, I was going to at least do one season and see what, what happens. And, and episode one got off to an absolute flyer. So thank you very much for that. I also want to say a huge thank you to Rich from Powered 4 TV for allowing me to use added time. I didn't want to feel like I was stealing it off the back of something that he used to do. or, or And that what I was a part of with Sonny uh, a couple of years back. So via Sonny, Spoke to Rich, uh, and Rich said, yeah, no problem. That's uh, carry it on. And he sent me a couple of really nice messages saying, good luck and and hope you do well. And I really appreciate that. So thank you very much, Rich. Uh, From the bottom of my heart, it it means a lot. Okay, it's been another crazy week in the world of football in terms of transfers. And obviously, the Premier League starts this weekend. You know, by the time that you are listening to this, it may be the morning of the first game. It may We may have already had the first game as it kicks off on the Friday night. But the Premier League is back. But I want to start with last Sunday and the Lionesses beating Germany 2-1 after extra time to win the Women's Euros. Now, this is just fantastic. I really believe that it is going to be a changer, an absolute game changer for women's football. I believe that it's going to be generation inspiring moment that you know it's going to change a, it's going to change a lot for women's football. There is so much more focus on there now. It's been in the news pretty much every day since since it won. The players have now become household names and the the, the reaction has been has been amazing. What it now needs is for people to go and support women's football more. If you know you get opportunity to go and watch women's football, whether it be local, whether it be a WSL game, go and go and support it because that's the only way that it's going to get better and the only way that it's going to get the more spotlight that it deserves. I've seen a lot of people talking about how you know it was eighty-seven thousand, a sellout crowd, the third biggest crowd for a football match, I believe, at Wembley. And I've seen a lot of people criticising, saying, yeah, well, tickets were being given away for free. Tickets were, be- were, were a fiver. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's a full stadium. And actually, football clubs and the FA could learn a lot from that. Stop trying to price people out. Stop charging 50, 60 quid for a game of football. Sell it for a little bit cheaper. Pack the stadiums out. I didn't watch the game. I'm not going to sit here and analyse the game and talk about it like I sat and watched every single minute of it because I didn't. I said last week I was going to go to Leicester's Friendly, which I did do, but I've seen the goals, I've seen the reaction afterwards and it's fantastic, it really is. And like I say, let's hope that it inspires a generation that schools start to include girls in playing football in PE, that more more girls teams are invented 
or created off the back of this. And it can it can only be a good thing. So yeah, the FA need to really, really, you know, ride the ride this wave that, that women's football is currently on. England women play the US women's national team in October. Tickets went on sale earlier this week and they sold out in less than 24 hours. So, you know, hope you know this is this is potentially the way it's going to be going, but you need to just keep supporting women's football if you want it to be on a par with men's football in terms of sponsorship and payment and all of that sort of stuff. That's what needs to happen. So congratulations to the Lionesses and, you know, long may it continue. And the World Cup is next year. Who knows? Maybe they can bring that home as well. Right. Let's talk about some other matches that I watched I have watched over the last week or so. So last Friday, the EFL returned with Burnley versus Huddersfield. One thing I did do last week, I made a mistake in saying that Huddersfield were a founder member of the Football League. I had a feeling it was wrong when I said it. So I Googled it afterwards and yeah, I was wrong. Anyway, Burnley were a founder member of the Football League. So Burnley, oh sorry, Huddersfield versus Burnley... Uh, was last Friday, and Burnley were like peak Barcelona 2006. Um, no, I, I'm I'm exaggerating, but it was not the Burnley that we are all used to from the Premier League, where Sean Dyche uh, played to his strengths, shall we say. Obviously, Vincent Company has come in, and the players have seemingly bought into his philosophy of how he wants to play. Uh, I wouldn't say it was necessarily tick-attacker football, but very much, I mean, on the counter-attack, Jesus, they were devastating. Absolutely devastating. The right back, I believe it's pronounced Matson. Apologies if that's wrong. A superb goal to make it one nil, And they were they were more than worthy of the of the lead uh, in the first half. Huddersfield just could not could not cope with with Burnley in the way that they were playing. It was it was very exciting to watch. You could see the the, the look on the the Burnley fans' faces. They they couldn't quite believe what they were watching. They may have had a glimpse of it during preseason. I would imagine that I don't think the Huddersfield fans could believe what they were watching either. It was it was very impressive, and like I say, company has obviously gone in there with a philosophy. We all know who he used to play for, and who used to manage him. So it doesn't surprise me that he's gone with that style of football, even in the championship. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, because the championship is, for, for as good as it is, it is still seen as a very tough league where sometimes you do have to be very direct and just, you know, two up top, that sort of style of football. But it is changing, you know, because football in general is changing, the way that teams play. Now, some things that I did see... On Twitter, and I'm going to talk about things that have annoyed me on social media a lot in this last week. Uh, and I don't want that to be a running theme in this podcast, but oh man, social media, it does your head in sometimes. What I did see a little bit of was is Vincent Company the man to take over from Pep Guardiola? It's been one game, one game in a 46 game season in one of the hardest leagues to get out of. 
the best second division probably in world football. Not that I watch other second divisions from, you know, I don't watch the Italian second division or the French or the Spanish. I'm going off what, you know, some managers have said in the past. Sven, for example. Sven Goran Eriksson said once, it's the best second division in the world. Now, he's been around a bit. He's also managed a few football teams. But it is it is a tough league. We know that. So let's not get too excited. Let's not jump the gun a little bit and be all excited. Is, is Vincent Company going to be the new Man City manager when Pep decides to leave? It's been one game. And the championship is ruthless in that Burnley could go and lose the next 10 games and he could get the sack. No, I don't. I'm not saying I want to see that, but that could happen. Similarly, he could go and win the next 10 games and Burnley are absolutely flying and, you know, they are well on their way sort of thing and people are getting excited. So let's just call our jets a little bit on that one. Vincent Company could well turn out to be a very fine, capable manager that could one day manage in the Premier League and potentially manage one of the big clubs. But let's give it time. Let's give it a chance. So that's the EFL. I didn't get a chance to see much else of the EFL. I caught a little bit of Sunderland versus Coventry. Uh, the goal by the Cov player, whose name I'm not even going to attempt to say... Uh, was That was a beauty of a goal. Really, really good. Uh, I was keeping an eye out for that result because someone that I work with who is a kind of part-time Coventry City fan told me they were going to win 4-1. So I was looking out for that so I could, uh, you know, sort of ask him what happened uh, if they didn't win 4-1, which they didn't. I think it finished 1-1. So, yeah, I didn't see much else over the weekend in terms of in terms of football league. Uh, unfortunately, there was a, there was a, quite a bit going on. What I did catch was the Community Shield, which was being played at Leicester's ground because of the Euro Women's Euro final being at Wembley. Um, so, Man City took on Liverpool. Uh, it was a game I did watch, a game I really, really enjoyed. I thought first half was was excellent. I thought Mo Salah looked absolutely on fire. The first ten minutes, he was running, running, uh, you know, running rings around Man City players over on that right hand side. The back end of last season, he he didn't look like the same Mo Salah that we've been used to. I think he was still a little bit down about the uh, Afcon uh, and losing the final there, and. There was all the transfer talk and contract talk as well. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Will he sign a new deal? Uh, but that's all been put to bed now. He signed the new contract, a very lucrative contract, and he looked like a bit of a man possessed uh, on Saturday. But Man City were a little bit all over the place in those opening minutes. A lot of wayward passes, a lot of you know passes that just go straight, going straight out and. Yeah, not not um, not fantastic, but they they grew into the game, and what I did notice quite early on was the movement of Harland. The movement was was very very special, and look, let let's talk let's let's talk about Harland. So in the first half, he had two chances. The first one. I thought he did well, used his strength 
to knock Robinson off the ball and he got a shot away, which was was a comfortable save for, for Adrian. From that, the ball then got recycled out to the wing. It may have been Cancelo, it may have been Grealish, put a beaut of a cross in, right in the area that you would, would want as a centre-forward. It seemed that Haaland, for me, it seemed that Haaland didn't know what to do, whether to head it, whether to volley it, whether to pass it in. And he got himself all muddled up. And, and anyway, it didn't go in. So he was getting, he got a little bit of stick for that. Liverpool took the lead. You know all of this sort of stuff. Uh, and what I want to do is talk about just Haaland and all the things that have been said over this last week. Because again, it's annoyed me a little bit. So... Eventually, yeah, we got to a stage where Liverpool were winning 3-1 with a, with a couple of minutes left. Nunes came on for Liverpool, had a, had a great chance where he went through one-on-one. Uh, it was saved by Edison. And then he won the penalty, in inverted commas. I'm not sure if heading the ball onto someone's hand uh, equates to winning a penalty. But anyway, he was involved in some way. And then he scored as well so and celebrated like he just won the world cup and fair play to him you know he's come to england huge price tag and he's just scored a goal against the champions so let him be happy you know i've seen people say oh it was only the community shield it's a little bit over the top he's a young lad who's just just scored and won a trophy when he's been here for for five minutes, you know. You can't you can't on the one hand, well you can if you if 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 you want to, but for me, if you're going to talk about the Community Shield as being part of the collection of domestic trophies that now Jurgen Klopp has won every single one of, then you can't then mock someone for then celebrating because they have scored in the community shield you know you either have it one way or the other it's either a serious game or it's not i agree with for for a change i agree with what klopp said in terms of if you win the game it's great if you lose the game you're kind of like eh okay it's a glorified friendly but it's a trophy at the end of the day and he was happy that he'd scored what then happened is after that uh, Man City, from the kickoff, I think they went down to the other end. Someone had a shot from the outside of the box. And what we witnessed was quite potentially already a contender for miss of the season. Now, there's no two ways of sugar. There's no two ways about it. I can't sugarcoat this. It was an absolute sitter. I would back myself to score that. Maybe not on my left foot, but any player at any level in reality, should score from six yards out. And he didn't. He latched onto it. He was alert, which was great. And he got onto it and he hit the bar and it went over. So what has happened since then, and what I have seen a lot on social media, and maybe I'm just getting a bit miserable in my old age as I fast approach my 40s, all this banter bollocks that you see on Twitter. People have labelled him this season's Lukaku off the back of one game. It's as ridiculous as saying that company is going to take over from Pep Guardiola. 
These are the same idiots that were mocking Nunes, and then he went and banged score uh, banged four goals in against Leipzig, and then scored at the weekend as well. And you've got these fans who they must have too way too much time on their hand because they're now that they're now looking into every little detail and trying to find every little clip where Haaland's maybe missed a sitter or where he's like misplaced a pass or had a shot and it's blazed over the bar. You know, someone even put, I saw a video that was like, oh my God, he missed in training from two yards. Like, come on, seriously. One game, one game. And look, everyone bangs on about, oh, the Premier League is such a competitive league. Yeah, it's so much better than the other, you know, so much better than the German League. Okay, well, if, if, if you're going to go with that then, then at least give the lad a chance. I would like to think that if a player like Virgil van Dijk, who is seen as one of the best centre-backs in the world, comes out and said, he's a nightmare to mark, he's great in the air, he's great on the floor, he's quick. If a player like that comes out and says that, he's going to be a success in the Premier League. So that's another thing you've got to remember. His first game in in this country, I know they, they've had pre-season friendlies, but his first you know, big game is against Liverpool and against one of the best centre-backs in the world. So look, keep your powder dry is what I say because these people who have been mocking him, you're going to look very silly when he scores a hat-trick against your team. You're going to regret it. Um, so, and, and there is a part of me now that actually, because of these muppets online, I actually want him to bag 30, 40 goals this season. I don't want him to score against Leicester, obviously, but I, I really hope he does well because these these people just, they, they frustrate me. Again, like I say, it might be my age. I might be just getting a little bit miserable, but I just can't be doing with all this banter nonsense. You know, I don't mind having a little bit of a laugh with people if or whatever, but uh, some of it is just pathetic. There we go. I've had a little bit of a rant there, haven't I? So, that's my take on the community show. Like I said, I thought it was a great game. And, you know, Man City and Liverpool just seem to have excellent games. It's it's kind of like the new, the new rivalry in the Premier League, Man City and Liverpool, because they're the two standout teams, aren't they? Seems to like Arsenal and Manchester United, they had a, a rivalry because they were the two best for a long time. Okay, let's talk transfers oh my god what a week what a week we have had i'll come on to leicester i am sorry i know i said i wasn't going to turn this into a leicester city podcast but i've got to talk about them this week because of everything that has gone on and been said i'll come on to leicester and what's been going on there so mark kukurea i believe i've said that correct Looked like he was going to go to Man City. Brighton turned down a couple of bids. Brighton wanted 50 million. Man City bid 40 million. There's a bit of a theme here in this transfer window of a player having a valuation and the other team trying to lowball them. It's happened, well, forever. But it seems to be quite prevalent, this transfer window. And I don't know exactly the reason why. Interesting. But... They went in with a 40 million bid, Man City did. Brighton said, no, we want 50. And in the meantime, Chelsea have gone in 
with a £50 million bid, which has seemingly been accepted, personal terms agreed, and last night, which is the Wednesday night at the time of recording, there was tweets up and down my timeline saying, he's now moved, it's official, he's gone. And then about an hour later or so, an hour or so later, Brighton tweeted from their official account saying, contrary to reports and tweets that uh, have gone out on social media and, and, and talk on social media, no deal has been done for Mark Kukurea to go to Chelsea. So Fabrizio Romano was the one that broke the news, as he always does. He's on it. Here we go. Kukurea has gone to Chelsea. Uh, he's, he's defending what he's saying by saying, no, a deal has been done. I don't really know what Brighton are doing here. So that one is going to roll on for, for time uh, as well. Just sticking with Chelsea a little bit as well. Today, they've apparently been offered a Bamiyang. Like Where the hell has that come from? Now, they've also been offered Frankie de Jong and they've also been offered Memphis Depay. All three are Barcelona players. And I'd imagine that Barcelona want to get them those three players. Well, Aubameyang's only just gone there. I don't get it. I don't get that club. I don't get Barcelona. Apparently, they can't register these new signings without offloading some players, which is just hilarious. So today, there's been reports that Pierre Aubameyang has been offered to Chelsea. The relationship between those two clubs is just so strange and weird. And there's also been a little bit of stick for the Chelsea owner who has been accused of just having a bit of a scattergun approach thinks he's playing football manager in terms of the signings now I don't I don't necessarily agree with that purely because I think if that was the case they would have signed Ronaldo by now I do think that Thomas Tuchel has the final say and I think he's the one that identifies the players that he wants. I think Sterling is a great signing. I think that Koulibaly is a great signing. And I know they've just signed that young lad from Aston Villa for 20 million. He's 18 years old, 20 million. I don't think he's ever played a Premier League game. So maybe that's why people think it's a little bit of a scattergun approach. They're now supposedly in for Wesley Fofana which I'll, I'll come on to later. It remains to be seen as to what happens over the next few weeks with Chelsea and who else they try and bring in. But like I say, I, I think Ronaldo would have would be a, a, a Chelsea player by now had, if it was the case that the owner just was playing football manager, <laughs> so to speak, and just buying whoever he wants. So the, I, I believe there's probably going to be a lot more going on at Chelsea than, than uh, it's not finished yet. And uh, we know the transfer window is still open until uh, the 1st of September, 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. on the 1st of September it closes. So last week I said that Leicester were linked with Leno from Arsenal. He has now made that move to Fulham official, so Leicester won't be signing him. And talking of Leicester... Casper Schmeichel has officially left the club and signed for Nice over in France. I'm not going to go on too much about Casper Schmeichel because I will probably just bore you all to death. But 
the guy is a legend, a hero, uh, a great captain, a superb player over the last 11 years, some, some real standout moments. The two penalty saves against Sevilla in the Champions League, well, numerous penalty saves as well. He, 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 that goes unrecognised with, with Kasper Schmeichel, is the amount of penalties he's saved. The saves that he's made in the saves that he made in the FA Cup final as well, uh, just just unbelievable. If that was the only thing he ever did in his career was that save from Mason Mount and the save from Chilwell's header, then he would be a hero at Leicester. But as it is, he he is he is a hero. He is a legend. I'm fortunate enough to say that I saw his last game for Leicester because he did come on for the second half against Sevilla in the friendly at the weekend, which Leicester won. Uh, played well, I thought. Um, so, yeah, good luck to Casper Michael. Go and see out a three-year contract. That surprised me. A three-year deal that he signed there. So that will take him to 38. What a way to see out the final three years of your fa fantastic career, you know, being on the, on the doorstep of the French Alps. Perfect. A little bit different to live in in Leicestershire, let's put it that way. So what has been going on at Leicester City? Wow. So Casper's gone, as I've just mentioned, and over the last week, Newcastle have put in two bids for James Madison, which have both been rejected. Leicester supposedly wants somewhere in the region of £60 million. Newcastle went in with £40 million, rejected, then went in with a slightly improved offer, is the, is the rumour, again rejected. Now, I, I believe that with everything that's going on at Leicester, players that are, uh, uh, some of the bigger earners are being linked with moves away because uh, I think the big issue is that the, the, the wage bill is too high and it's in breach of FFP regulations. So... The second biggest earner in Casper Michael has now left the club. James Madison is a high earner at the club. He's one of the highest. He's in the top five or six. But I don't believe that that is necessarily uh, the issue here in terms of you know, Leicester holding out for more money. I think what it is, is they want more of the transfer fee up front. So rather than it being £60 million over three years... They perhaps want 40 up front and the remaining 20 over three years because they want to go and reinvest that money. Now, there has been talk that there will be an improved bid from Newcastle that will include Dubravka, the goalkeeper, because now Leicester are a goalkeeper short. And Dubravka is a goalie that I do rate. I really do. I think he's, I think he's a very good and a very good keeper. And yeah, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be annoyed at that. I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd welcome that signing. I certainly don't want to see James Madison move. Now, I don't want to necessarily get into a debate over whether is it a backward step, is it a sideways move, is it a good thing for Madison. At the end of the day, Newcastle are in a position now where they can offer these players more money. They can, they can double Madison's current wage, and money talks, you know. He's got two years left on his deal, so again, that's something for Leicester to consider. Do they get rid now? Get rid. They don't want to sell him, 
really, but there is a valuation. And what concerns me the most is that actually for a club to come in with a second bid kind of tells me that there is something there that actually, you know, Leicester might accept this if you keep pushing and that the player might want the move. Most Newcastle fans are of the opinion that Madison will come because they are the bigger club, they can be offered more money and they are a team on the up. Apparently Leicester are a team on the decline. But most Leicester fans also think that James Madison is doing this to try and get an improved deal at Leicester. And now that one of the big earners in Casper Michael has left, maybe there is a bit of room there to give James Madison an improved contract. And that improved contract might include something like if a team that is in Europe or playing in Europe, European competition, comes in for me, I'm allowed to go and talk to them. So I was I, I was all ready for Madison to be a Newcastle player by now. I really thought he was going to go. But at the time of recording, apparently a, a third bid has not gone in. I thought it would by now. It'd be interesting to see whether he plays on Sunday or not. So watch this space, I guess. Also this week, Wesley Fofana, as I mentioned earlier, has been linked with a move to Chelsea. Leicester have set a valuation. So Wesley Fofana has done some interesting things on social media this week, which is all it has done is fueled the fire that he wants to move, that he wants to leave the club. So he removed that he was a Leicester City player from his Twitter bio. It now just says professional player or professional footballer. He's done the same on Instagram. He's also pinned a tweet that thanking the Leicester fans uh, from the last game of the season when the players have their lap of honour, saying thank you for all your support and sticking by me whilst I was out injured with my broken leg. Uh, it means so much, etc, etc. So he's pinned that in his on, on Twitter he posted something on Instagram which roughly translated to... It was a quote that roughly translated to you will start to anger people once you start to do what is best for you and I'm beginning to realise this. It was Roughly, that's what it, what it said. Basically, look, you read between the lines there. I want to go to Chelsea. It's going to annoy people, but it's what's best for me. A few hours after that, he posted a picture of himself in a Leicester kit and a few hours after that, he posted... A picture of himself walking off the pitch and he'd put a speech bubble emo emoji next to himself like he was thinking. So he's playing a few games. Again, it's worth noting that he is not long, I think it was March, he signed a five-year deal. Now, I know that contracts don't mean anything, but you're committed to five years to, to, to want away so soon. I don't know, it doesn't quite sit right with me. Maybe it's because it's it's the team that I support. I don't know. But I have that opinion of, of a lot of players when they sign such a big deal and then six months later want to, want to, want to move. Look, Wesley Fofana is a fantastic footballer. Within two or three games of him playing for Leicester, I remember saying to, to my cousin, who I go the games with, we're not going to have him for long. He's, he's just far too good. And then today... Leicester have supposedly turned down a bid of £75 million from Chelsea, which is just an enormous amount of money to turn down. So apparently Leicester's valuation is closer to £90 million. Now, 
I don't necessarily use the Harry Maguire sale as a yardstick, but maybe 80, 90 million is a bit closer to what Leicester want, and that isn't... Well, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. What am I talking about? £75 million is, is a ridiculous amount of money for a club like Leicester, who are supposedly skint and in debt. Now, there has been talk that whatever deal happens for Fofana, it may include a couple of players. It may include a centre-back. And it might include a midfielder in Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Again, I don't know. Money plus player deals, I don't feel like they happen a lot these days, if at all. So I'm not sure about that. Same, same with same with Dubravka. That's supposedly not part of the Madison deal. It's a separate thing. Leicester are going in. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So that is the the crazy world of Leicester City. Oh, and and then it comes out that it gets better. Then it comes out that Chelsea and Manchester United are monitoring the situation with Jamie Vardy as he goes into the final year of his contract. Again, I just think that is a case of people putting two and two together and potentially getting five. Jamie Vardy is the highest earner at the club on 160 grand a week. Leicester have a wage bill issue. The player is in the final year of his contract. Chelsea supposedly need a number nine. Man United need a number nine, maybe. People are putting two and two together. I... I I would be very surprised if Jamie Vardy left in this window and that he doesn't see out his final year at Leicester. But stranger things have happened. Who knows? The temptation to play Champions League football again for another season. If he goes to Chelsea, Manchester United, you know, are still are still a massive, massive club. So that's the crazy, crazy world of of, <laughs> of Leicester City. And it's going to be really interesting. Well, it is for me. I don't know about anyone else. It's going to be really interesting to see who... Starts on Sunday when Leicester play Brentford. Will Fofana play? Apparently he has tweaked. He's got a little bit of a groin strain, so maybe he won't be playing. And that will only, again, that will fuel the fire to say that oh, he's off, he's off, he's not been included in the squad. More than likely an injury. Will Madison play? I expect him to. The, the, he is contracted to Leicester City until Newcastle can meet the valuation. And they may never meet that valuation. Who knows? So yeah, let's uh, let's see what the team is. I, I I don't know who's going to play in goal. I don't think uh, Danny Ward is fit. So Daniel Everson, who is a young Danish goalkeeper, from one Danish goalkeeper to another potentially, at the King Power Stadium. Right, I'm going to stop talking about Leicester. I'm really sorry. I said I wasn't going to turn this into a Leicester City podcast. When when there's been that much rumor about the club in this last week, I I, I couldn't not talk about them a couple of other little bits that i've picked up on uh, in the last couple of days it looks like that aspilaqueta is going to be staying at chelsea and he's and he's going to sign a two-year deal so yeah interesting one he was linked with a move to barcelona oh, i tell you what, them two clubs get a room get a room the pair of you let's talk about the premier league fixtures coming up this weekend the first round of fixtures for the 22-23 season. And the opening game, of course, is Arsenal. Arsenal love an opening game on a Friday night in front of the Sky cameras, don't they? So I'm going to go through the fixtures. I'm not going to give score predictions. I'm just going to 
say who I who who I think is going to win or whether I you know if I think it's going to be a draw. Uh, I might just add little bits and pieces in there, just so I'm not rattling through the fixtures. Giving Premier League score predictions is hard enough most weeks, but the opening game of the season it is it is an unknown, and there's some some fixtures that you look at and you think could go either way. So. So I'm not I'm not going to give score predictions, just the result. Okay, so the opening game, Friday, 5th of August, Crystal Palace take on Arsenal at Selhurst Park. Two teams that have seemingly had very good pre-seasons. So I am going to go with a narrow Arsenal win. Saturday, 12.30 on BT Sport, which this is going to really please Jurgen Klopp. We all know that he loves a lunchtime kickoff. On BT Sport. New Boys Fulham take on Liverpool. So this will be something like the fifth season in a row where Liverpool will have taken on a newly promoted side for the opening fixture of the season. Read into that what you will. I can only see one result here. A Liverpool win. A a comfortable, comfortable Liverpool win on this one. So fellow Premier League New Boys Bournemouth take on Aston Villa. Three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, and I think this was Bournemouth's first Premier League fixture uh, when they came up uh, three or four years ago. So that's uh, that's an interesting one. I think Villa won that one. Again, I actually think this is going to be an Aston Villa win. I think this is a big, big season for Villa and a big season for Steven Gerrard. He's been backed. He's brought some players in. He's now had a pre-season. With with the players, he came in part way through the season last season. So this is a big one for Villa. I do think that they will be. They need to improve on finishing fourteenth. Uh, Gerard needs to be there or thereabouts in terms of top eight. I think for for there not to be any pressure on him. Yeah, I think that will be an Aston Villa win. Interested to see what Bournemouth do, uh, and Scott Parker in charge there as well. His second run at being a Premier League manager. Next up, we have Leeds versus Wolves. This is this is a tough one to call. Leeds have sold Rafinha, as we know. So he, he was integral to the end of the season and them staying up. I get the feeling that it's not going too well over at Wolves, their pre-season. I don't, I don't know why. I've not really looked into it, but it's just the impression that I get. But I, I think they were a little bit nervous last pre-season as well because they're the new manager and with a new no going. So I think this will be a draw. Um, it's a little, a little bit of a cop out that one, but I think it will be a draw. Newcastle take on Nottingham Forest. This is Nottingham Forest's first Premier League game for 23 years, which is crazy. I, I remember them getting relegated. It's 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 mad that they've gone they've been out of the top division for so long. But they are back and they have a tricky game first up away at Newcastle. Now neither team neither team want to lose. No football team want to lose. I know that is a ridiculous statement to make. What I mean by that is there are certain fixtures here where I look at them and think, well, if they lose, it's not the end of the world. Actually they'll be alright. So I look at like Crystal Palace and I think if Crystal Palace lose, yeah, they've played Arsenal. Now Newcastle with all of their ambitions and everything, they're not going to want to lose, are they, to the uh, to a newly promoted team. At the same time, Nottingham Forest will be wary that Newcastle are much improved and they are not the 
relegate, you know, tipped for relegation like they were at the start of last season, even. So I expect this to be quite a cagey game. I do. For that reason, I think it will be a draw. Moving on, Spurs play Southampton. I talked last week about the signings that Conte had made. You know, Spurs have a real opportunity this season for me to not necessarily push for the title, but close that gap between second and third. They have a world-class manager, in my opinion, in Antonio Conte. Southampton, they have bought some players, but they are tipped to be one of the teams that will struggle this season. Um, Ralph Hasenhutl seems to survive bad runs and terrible results every season uh, and keep his job. So I do think this will be a Tottenham win. I think this will be a fairly convincing Tottenham win. And the final fixture of Saturday is Everton uh, host Chelsea live on Sky Sports. Everton would dealt a blow this week with Dominic Calvert-Lewin getting uh, an injury, a knee injury, which is going to rule him out for six weeks at least. Rondon is suspended, so I have no idea who's going to play up front for Everton. Everton obviously struggled last season. They've had a couple of indifferent results in pre-season. Uh, this is going to be this is going to be a huge a huge test for Frank Lampard this season. A lot of people are saying are tipping them to that they'll struggle again and maybe even go down this season. I don't think they will. But there's potential that Frank Lampard won't be the manager come the end of the season. I can only see one result here. Chelsea, with a couple of their new boys, uh, getting the win here. I think this will be a fairly convincing Chelsea win. So moving on to Sunday, we have three fixtures. Uh, so Leicester play Brentford at 2 o'clock. Uh, the game isn't on the telly. It's been moved uh, because of policing reasons. There is an event going on in Leicester, which means that the police and the emergency services will be stretched as it is. They don't need 30-odd thousand people at a football game. So they take on Brentford. Look, let's not go into it. We know the situation at Leicester. Brentford, for me, they picked up once Ericsson signed for them last season. Again, some people are, are, are tipping them to struggle. Maybe that uh, that that second season uh, syndrome, which catches a lot of clubs out. Not everyone, but it catches quite a few out. I've got to back my own team here. I've got to back my own team, and despite everything that's going on and all the rumours, I I I do expect us to beat Brentford. Not necessarily convincingly, but I do expect us to win. I'm going to regret that. Next up, we have Manchester United against Brighton. This this is this is a huge game for Eric Ten Hag. It may sound ridiculous me saying that because it's the opening game of the season. But like I was saying earlier, that some some fixtures it feels like well, if they lose, it's not the end of the world because of the opposition. But if Manchester United were to lose this game the reaction would be phenomenal. A little bit of a selection headache for Ten Hag going into this game. It seems that it seems that Martial won't be available for the game. He has a knee injury. Ronaldo, Ten Hag is saying he's not match fit, he's not ready. I just don't think he's having him, is he, at all. I don't think he wants him there. 
So it'll be interesting to see how United line up again with that front three. Um, Brighton, you know, obviously I, I don't expect Kukurea to play because of everything that's going on there. Brighton are a funny side. Fairly entertaining to watch. Potter's done a good job there in terms of that they play an exciting brand of football, but they do tend to struggle for goals. Look, I expect Manchester United to win this fairly comfortably. But like I say, a draw or a defeat and the, the, the reaction will just be quite over the top, more than likely. West Ham take on Man City in the 4.30 kickoff. Yeah, I can't see anything other than a Man City victory, really. And maybe Haaland will bag a couple just to quieten people down. But then, you, you know, these people will just say, ah, oh, well, it was only West Ham. <sighs> just can't win. Can't win. So that's the Premier League fixtures. The opening weekend of the 22-23 season. I can't wait. I'm really, really excited. Football is back. Whether I'll be saying that come quarter past four on um, uh, on Sunday is um, is another is another matter but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it so I think that's it that's it for this week that's it for episode two I hope you've enjoyed it as much as you enjoyed episode one if you want to get hold of me on social media I'm on Twitter at added football I'm also on Instagram if you search for added time football podcast it should come up. This podcast is also available on the Games and Grab Studio feed. So on there are a number of, of, of different podcasts. So this one, there's also the Clubhouse, which is Sonny's podcast. Go check out last week's episode. It's brilliant. He finds out, or he recently found out that Quidditch is played in real life. People play Quidditch, not just in Harry Potter. I think it blew his mind that people do that. But hey, each to your own, you know, you're not hurting anyone, but still, it's a good listen. So go check that out. Also on there, you will get the monthly Games and Graps podcast, which, as you all know, is a monthly gaming and wrestling podcast on services everywhere. Sonny's also doing a bit of streaming over on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Sonny G Clubhouse. He's been doing some retro wrestling games. And last but by no means least, Finn Steele has also been doing some streaming over on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash the Finn Steele with an E on the end. Very important. Don't miss the E. This has been episode two of Added Time Football Podcast with me, Steve. Please like, share, subscribe, write a review on whatever podcast service you are listening to this on. It will be greatly appreciated. I hope you have a great weekend, look after yourselves, and I will speak to you next week for episode three. Bye for now. Madison will come because...